Welcome to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, your resource for science-based training and nutrition, data-driven coaching, and education-focused content. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and learn with me so that you can apply what you are about to learn, take my strategies, use these tools, and finally have some serious methods to see sustainable success with your physique, your mind, and your life. This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. Check, check. There we go. Dude, did we announce winners for the shirt? Uh, no, we didn't. No. We're going to do that right now, people. How do I get to the reviews? Um, hmm. there's got to be a way to see the reviews. Five stars, 523 ratings. It's a hard track record to keep. <laughs> I haven't pissed anybody off yet. <laughs> Hopefully. All right. Um, so explain. I can't even remember what, <laughs> what we said exactly. Were we going to give two away or one? Do you remember? T-shirt. We're giving a T-shirt away to somebody who left a five-star rating yeah. review. Was it one person or two? I don't know, two. Okay. We'll do two for the first one. <coughs> All right. Um, actually, quite a bit of people did it. Thank you, guys. All right. Let's. Uh, this one's gonna get it for sure. Life changing, uh, and it's from. I don't know. You mean so from, from life changing. I mean that's the title of the, oh, the review. The person good. is L K at I K A, L K at Ika. Okay. So if you recognize that. You won. Uh, Ika said, been listening to Cody for about a month now, and I've learned more from him than some courses I've paid for. His science-based and experience-based knowledge he shares on this platform is unmatched and has helped me become way more aware of the little different aspects of my training and nutrition, also allowing me to share it with others because the info is so good. Shannon's calling me. Ignore. Um... (laughs) Different aspects of my training and nutrition, also allowing me to share it with others because the info is so good. Anyone looking to sharpen their training or nutrition needs to listen to this. So, LK at Ika, you got it for sure. Um, A couple of these are great, but you guys also mentioned other podcasts in your review, so I can't choose you. Although I appreciate it. Um, Actually, no. Are they comparing or? I don't know. Let me read this one. Um, Falcon Car 64. Excellent. When it comes to health and fitness, I listen to Cody and Mind Pump. Massive value and free applicable content. I appreciate being on the same level to you as as Mind Pump. Uh, Great fitness podcast. I learned of Cody through the Jordan Syatt mini podcast, and now I listen to them equally. Quality info that's applicable in the world of fitness and nutrition. Thankful I came across this one. Thank you, Nate. But I think uh, Butterboy26 is going to get the... Second one? Yeah, just because I like that name. 
No, uh, very informative podcast is the title. He said, this is a great podcast for beginner to advanced lifters, trainers, or anyone who likes nutrition and fitness. I've learned so much by listening to this podcast. If you want to lose weight, gain muscle, gain strength, or even become a better uh, version of you at your sport, Cody know, knows what to do. Definitely a must listen. So we're going to go with Butterboy26 and Ica. and Ica, LK at Ica. So guys, all you have to do is, um, or girls, Apologies if, if you're not a guy. Um, all you got to do is email Tori, Tori at tailoredcoachingmethod.com. That's T-O-R-I, because we've made that mistake in the past. Yeah. Um, Tori at tailoredcoachingmethod.com. Uh, let her know your name, your t-shirt size, uh, and your mailing address, and we're going to send you a shirt. And put it in the subject. Podcast winner. Yeah. Or something, yeah. Yeah, let's do podcast winner. Dope. Cool. Free stuff. That's awesome. That's some uh Great reviews. And we finally got <coughs> all the charity shit figured out. Yeah. Dude. I mean, Hopefully. so we think, yeah. Hopefully. As long as these go out. Dude, I've been getting calls yeah. since Friday last week. I just got a couple more today. Like, yeah. they're still coming in of people that are like. How do you get calls? Because you for whatever reason, my number's on the packages. <laughs> so basically, long story short, for people listening, we did. This is this is crazy. So we did the charity order. We ordered bulk amount of shirts. They came to us, and there was a misprint. So we were like, we can't send these out to people. In fact, we have a huge box sitting behind Travis right now full of shirts. So we had them remake all the shirts. Mm -hmm. And then we were like, hey, since we're so delayed, we're just going to pay for you guys to do drop shipping. So we were going to pay extra money out of pocket to make sure that they just sent right from the shipping or the factory to the the person. So we didn't have to get it, packages, you know. And, And then their system jumbled up addresses. So now people, somebody called me. I was like, oh, is this Caitlin? I have your package. I was like, no, it's not. Do you have a package from Tailored Coaching? Yeah. I was like, yeah, it's, I'm the owner. It's my number. I don't know why. She's like, oh, I've never heard of you guys. I was like, you didn't order a charity shirt? She's like, nope, I don't even know how you guys have my address. And I'm like, holy shit. So random people are getting tailored shirts around the country no. right now. Yeah. And then FedEx people keep calling me because they're like, this isn't even like the right, like it's this name, and this street, but in a different state. Like everything just got jumbled somehow. So a bunch of them are getting sent back. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So, but because some people are getting them and some people are getting them that aren't our customers might just keep them because yeah. they're like, Hey, free shirt, which I understand. Yeah. Um, in fact, one guy reached out last night and I was like, yeah, I just send it back to the sender. And I hung up and I texted him. I was like, actually, man, if it fits, you just keep it <laughs> like rep the brand. He was like, sweet. It's a sick shirt. <laughs> but, uh, so basically what we're doing is we're resending all of them out. So every single one is going to be reprinted. It's actually, they're going through printing right now. So they'll be shipped out between Friday and Tuesday next week. Um, so if you got your shirt, cause some of you did get the right shirt, yeah. right says everything. Um, if you did, you're going to get a second one, uh, because of this. And if you didn't, it's coming, it's just late, yep. but we learned our lesson on multiple things inside of, uh, apparel and how to do it For properly, sure. you know, but uh-oh. And can you hear those sirens? Fire trucks coming by. I think I think they contained it, though. I hope so. I read this morning. Contained what? The fire. What fire? There's the m- wildfires right here in Bonnie Lake. Okay. Yeah. So All of 167 is on fire, too. Still? Well, as of yesterday. Well, yeah, I think they contained that. So, because Graham was, too. So, yeah. like, basically, I mean, shit, Graham, Ording, Sumner, Bonnie Lake, and parts of Auburn mm-hmm. were all literally on fire yesterday. Um, smoking out the city. Half the city closed. We're getting evacuated. Look at 167, dude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Th- was that your phone? No. 
Oh. Somebody sent that Uh-oh. to me. My buddy. Um, yeah, it's it's fucking wild, man. The uh, but as far as I know, they like I saw an update this morning because I wasn't even gonna leave the house. I was like, I'm not going to the office until I know the girls are safe. Because otherwise, like if I leave and then this like fire travels up, yeah. like I would be yeah feel horrible. Um, but so I, how I, did you find that out or what? Facebook. Oh yeah, there was the we're in the neighborhood group. Uh, like our neighborhood has a Facebook group. <laughs> Your apartment complex? No, <laughs> my actual neighborhood where I, I, my house was, oh. um, and where the new house is being built. Yeah. It's all in the same neighborhood. Yeah. But I just went in the Facebook group, and they've been doing updates and shit in there. Gotcha. And so somebody. But what said, does that have to do with your new place or your apartment? Well, it was coming up the hill yeah. because they were like, if we can't contain it down here, it's going to come up the hill, and the hill is where we're at now yeah. in the apartment. But they contained it, so it's not spreading. Gotcha. So it's All still right. there, and they're basically letting it just burn out. Yeah. Um, I just didn't know how the Tahali Facebook group told you something about Lakeland Hills. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that wasn't the case. But I think we were just looking at a map last night, me and Shannon, and yeah. we saw that it was it was going to go that way if, if it didn't stop kind of thing. Gotcha. Yeah. Glad they got it contained. Yeah, there's a lot of wildfires going on in pretty much the West Coast, but a lot in Washington. There's one in Denver. Yeah. It's crazy. Crazy. I didn't know. Dry. Whoa. I feel 2020. Bad for, I feel really bad for the freaking animals, dude. Yeah. All right, guys. This is a uh, Q&A today. We have lots of questions we want to go over, so let's get started. Uh, first one is from Stacy Ormy. This is, uh, we already went over that one. Okay. So uh, first question is from Christy Linton. How do you get your clients to be mentally comfortable at maintenance? As most things, I think it's just education. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's teaching them why they need to be at maintenance and focusing on things that that are going to happen at maintenance. So, like, a lot of times, like, certain things improve and you accomplish during maintenance that you can't see in a mirror or, and you're not going to read on the scale, and that causes people – to have a lack of motivation because they don't see something changing, right? But whereas if I'm on a cut and I'm losing weight week after week, keep stepping on the scale, it's dropping. I look in the mirror, I look better. It's like that constant reassurance that we're doing something right. For sure. At maintenance, you look in the mirror every day, you look the same. You stand on the scale every day, it's the same. So it's kind of like, what am I doing? I'm not improving anything. So typically what I do, number one, they have to be educated on just the fundamentals of like why a maintenance phase is important um, from health, hormones, longevity, joints, um, training performance, uh, really everything, and why it's so crucial for your next cut. So even though you want to be leaner, if you don't do this now, you're not going to be as lean as you could be in the next cut because this prepares you for that next cut. So teaching them the ins and outs of that so they just understand going into it like, okay, I know why I'm doing this. Whether I like it or not, I have to do this. Like it's important, right? And then I try to get them to focus on things completely unrelated or just like side goals. So um, 200, 2,000 row, uh, 2K row time. Like how fast can you uh, do 2K on the rower? Mm-hmm. Um, what's your max, uh, your PR on deadlift or squat? What's your PR on bench? Um, can, how, how fast can you run a mile? Like little things like that. Um, even things like your job. What do you do for a living? Okay, cool. Let's set some metric goals in there. Right? How can you work up the totem pole in your company? How can you start a new project? How can you create something? How can you do something cool for your wife or your husband? Like plan a family trip, do something like build something for your kid. Like anything that you can do, because really what's happening when we when we work 
on anything. Towards some kind of goal. Yeah. Dopamine. Yep. Right? Every time we get a little bit further, we get a dopamine kick. Yep. When somebody likes our Instagram post, we get a dopamine kick. When we step on the scale and it's dropped down a little bit because we're losing weight, dopamine kick. Dopamine provides positive reinforcement it provides it's actually an addiction so you can actually get addicted to dopamine which is why people are addicted to drugs because it gives them that kick constantly or why they're addicted to social media gives them that kick constantly um sex porn their drugs alcohol everything right it's all dopamine but if you spin that and go how can i get positively addicted to something now we're using that dopamine to our advantage right the satisfaction i get for doing blank for my family or for my business or for my team or for my clients, for myself, that's not related to losing weight. Like that's the kind of stuff they should be focusing on. Um, if they're in school, focus on that. Like it, literally anything to distract them from focusing on the scale or focusing on how lean they are, I think is going to help them get through that maintenance phase. Absolutely. And it's important. I think it's going to, on top of like being at maintenance for long enough to where physiologically speaking, your health improves, your, your mental state is going to improve because you're removing the pressure of being a certain weight on the scale or looking a certain way that by the time you get to the cut, you're in a really good place. Like I've had a lot of people who came to me, one specifically that I can think of wanted to lose weight. Um, and this is one of the cases, and there's a lot of people listening to this that will either A, relate because they have a client like this or B, will relate because they are this. Yeah. Um, that came to me and was like, oh, I want to lose weight. I want to get leaner. And my first reaction is like, where? Like you're lean. Mm -hmm. What do you mean you want to get leaner? How can you get leaner? Um, And what I explained to her is like, you actually want to build muscle because you want to look tighter, tone, firm, whatever. You need to build muscle because you will look leaner if you build muscle, but you don't need to lose weight in order to get there. So I had to like more defined. Exactly. But if you don't have muscle, you'll never be more defined. So a lot of times people think they need to keep losing weight to get to that. And it's like, no, no, no. You have to spend time at maintenance or surplus to build muscle. And then you can cut later on to get there. Yeah. So with her, it was a matter of first convincing her to reverse diet and get out of a deficit because she already was and she didn't need to lose weight. Talked her into that, talked her into maintenance, and then I talked her into a surplus. And like all of this was like fighting tooth and nails. And I get coaches all the time. They're like, how do you convince somebody to do that? They don't want to abide. You just keep working with them. You keep educating them. You keep showing empathy. You keep communicating with them and connecting with them, making sure they understand that you get it and you get them to there. And now we're almost a year into it and she's already talking to me about like the next cycle that we go through this whole thing so Mm -hmm. she's planning another year with me of cutting once we cut reverse dieting maintaining bulking again like doing the whole cycle and it came from somebody who didn't lift weights and didn't want to go out of a deficit at all so if you properly educate them and and you really show empathy of like your experience personally and with people i think it's way easier to get people to buy into it damn but that's great yeah all right, uh, next question comes from Anja Civic. I, s- I seem to store fat unevenly on my on my right and left leg. Is there something I could do about this? That's very interesting. I don't think so. <laughs> that is very interesting. Hmm. Um, How do you know that? Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, mm, my, my honest assumption would almost be like, like, if it's actually fat being deposited more on one side than the other, mm-hmm. I don't think there's a way around it. We can't spot reduce fat. Yeah. Um, I mean, you could technically do, like, some single leg work on that side before you do cardio to burn calories. And you might might burn a little bit more calories in that specific area because you brought blood, blood flow to that area. Um, there are some studies that showed people would do, like, uh, tricep extensions. You know, like, women will have, like 
fat under their triceps they want to remove. They'll do tricep extensions, bring a bunch of blood flow there, or like sit-ups, and they'll do uh, Stairmaster for an hour to burn calories, and more of the calories are burned from that area, the fat. Um, But it's like a very, very, very small splitting hairs. Um, I would guess that you build more muscle on one side, and because you have more muscle mass, if you gain weight, it's going to look like that side's bigger than this side because you gain equal amount of fat on both legs, but one leg has more muscle, so it's just going to be thicker, going to be bigger. Um, And if that's the case, then you could could get a DEXA or something like that to test how much muscle mass you have. Um, And then, or you could, I mean, you could see if one fatigues faster on single leg work. Like you could do like single leg leg extensions or hamstring curls and see which one fatigues faster. Yeah. But honestly, I, I think you got to, yeah, I think it's probably the muscle. And if you can figure out if that's it, then you can just do a little more volume on the other side. But if it's actually fat, I don't think there's a way around it. Yeah. Because I have no idea why fat would be depositing on one side more than the other. You're not a doctor. Yeah. But yeah. That's weird. That's very interesting. Very interesting. <coughs> don't, do not have a great answer for you. All right. Next one comes from Tiffany Orlowski. In the, up in a muscle gain phase, if if in a muscle gain phase, if your scale weight is still increasing, waist managements are uh, slightly creeping up, but you start losing reps on some of your lifts. What do you do so that you can keep gaining muscle? Do you deload and hope strength returns so you can keep progressing? She doesn't. She doesn't. She ends it with I don't. I just don't want to lose fat. You don't want to do what? I just. <laughs> I don't want to get fat. <laughs> I was like, you don't? <laughs> I think we all do. Okay, so repeat the question. She she is at the end of a phase. She wants to know yep. if she should deload. Uh, in a muscle gain phase, if your scale weight is still increasing, waist ma- uh, measurements are still creeping up, but you start start losing reps on some of your lifts. What do you do so you can still keep gaining muscle? Um, definitely deload if you haven't deloaded. The next question is, do you deload and hope strength returns so you can keep progressing? Probably. Um, if, if your fat gain, like, supersedes your progressive overload or your muscle gain, and, and here's the thing too, is there's going to be a certain point, like, I could do a, like, it took me, I think literally at least two months of every week doing dumbbell flat bench press until I worked up from the 80s to 90s for sets of 8 to 10. Like literally like two months of doing it every single week of just practicing, practicing, practicing. So if you're asking this question, it's been like two weeks without your Mm -hmm. weights going up, just give it time. Um, If you're a beginner, that's probably not the case. But if you're more intermediate or advanced, you just probably need more time doing the movement until you can build it up. Um, But if you can visually and physically notice that you're gaining more fat than you are muscle, during this gaining phase, then it might actually be time for a mini cut because when you get to a certain point where performance is going down, muscles not growing anymore, but you keep getting fatter, there's no reason to continue that train. Like I would just literally pull back, do a mini cut for four to six weeks, jump back into the surplus and start gaining again. And then you're going to be gaining good weight. It's about the only time I would ever recommend a mini cut. Mm -hmm. But another thing to consider is changing your training up. So a lot of times people will do, um, I see this with bodybuilders or people that are really interested in hypertrophy uh, specifically, they'll do however many months of a bodybuilding program, which is great, but they start slowly not progressing. And instead of trying to change it, they just keep trying to progress. So they keep trying to change movements or exercises or rep ranges. But the reality is, is like if you're doing everything in the eight to 15 rep range, cause hypertrophy is your goal and you're doing a push pull leg split, it's time to make a dramatic change. So if you've been doing that for 
for some people it's three months. Other mm-hmm. people can be six. It really just depends. But if you notice that you're not progressing, you're not getting the same amount of um, like a pump in the gym, you're not feeling as good in the gym, you're not as motivated to train in the gym anymore, stop doing that program. Shift gears completely. So go from six days a week to four days a week and go from high volumes to low volumes. Um, if you were on high volumes, your intensity was probably a little bit lower. And now that you're going into a low volume, your intensity would be higher. For sure. So now we're lifting less days per week. We're lifting way heavier, going lower reps and just closer to failure on everything. Intensity is through the roof, but we're not doing nearly as much volume. It's a completely different stimulus. And one of two things are going to happen. Uh. One, you are going to start gaining again because it is a new stimulus and there's that novelty effect. Um, it's just new. And the other thing that could happen is maybe you don't make gains during that period, but if you spend a month or two doing that, you're going to sensitize your body to the higher volumes. And they've actually done a little bit of research that would make us believe this, but a lot of anecdote and experience shows this too. But when you step away from that high volume for a little bit and then step back into it, your body responds super well because it's sensitive to those high volumes and those higher rep ranges. So for people who are really interested in body composition changes and you typically train like a bodybuilder, Every, I would say probably like four to six months, throw in a low volume phase and then get back to the high volume and you'll start responding again. Yeah. And, and what she could do too is like go to the, the low volume phase, go down to maintenance so you're not gaining any weight. During that phase, you're just building some strength and then go back to the, the higher volume. Now, if you're not doing a higher volume program right now and you are doing a strength, then you might need to change to a high volume because yeah, it, sure. it works the same way in the inverse, right? If you enjoy low rep strength training more and you do that typically year round take a block of period of time and go high volume bodybuilding for a little bit and then come back to to what you like doing yeah and it'll help for sure you know i got a uh a dm the other day this probably i mean it just when you were talking about that uh body composition remind me of it but they were saying how much they loved the episode with um stan efforting oh yeah is that his last name yep. efforting and they were saying that i should recommend to you to try and get Mark Bell on the podcast. Oh, yeah. You know who? Uh, yeah, the I know who Mark Bell is. Yeah. I, part of the reason why I wanted this facility was because of Mark Bell. Really? Mark Bell has <coughs> a gym called Super Training, and it's free. Sick. It's just fucking free. So, like, basically, like, people can go lift if they can find it. He lets them in. They sign a waiver, and it's just like, nobody pays to lift. I was like, that's the coolest fucking thing. Whoa. Yeah, and it's a sick gym. But he invented the slingshot. So yeah. you might have seen me wearing it before. I don't have any more, but I used to have one. You wrap it around your arms, and then it goes over your chest. Yeah. And when you're benching, yep. Yep. you throw like 30 extra pounds on your bench. Yep. Um, so he invented that and okay. became a millionaire Sick. quick. And so now he calls himself the millionaire meathead. Um, <laughs> but he's invented a few things within slingshot. He's been on, uh, he's been on Joe Rogan. Uh, his brother, Chris Bell, uh, was is the documentary filmer? He f- um, did that movie, Bigger, Bigger, Faster, Stronger. Yeah, and it's like about steroid use and stuff, oh, wow. and bodybuilding and rest and professional wrestling and stuff. Because their yeah. brother was a professional wrestler before he passed away. Really cool huh. documentary. Really cool. In fact, during that documentary, they go to Venice Beach in California. Gold's Gym is like the classic legendary bodybuilding gym. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Everybody used to train there. And there was this guy that lived in his van in the parking lot and just bodybuilded. But he was like 60 or 70. Like he was old, but he's been there for decades, dude. And he's still there. He's just a beach bum, just lift. That's all he cares about. Really interesting dude to see there. Me and Theo went and lifted, ran into him and had like a 30 minute conversation with him. He was wearing like a sweatsuit and he was jogging outside trying to lose weight for his cut. And the dude was like 70 plus. Wow. And we're, I was like, bro, that's the guy (laughs) from that documentary. 
and we went up and talked to him, and he just talked to us. Like, he, he actually didn't even let us say anything. He just started talking. He just talked for, like, 30 minutes wow. about fucking life on Venice Beach. It was a really cool conversation. Weird. Yeah. That's cool. But Mark Bell would be a cool one to get on. He, he'd be hard to get on. But it doesn't hurt for me to yeah. shoot him a DM and try. Yeah. He's got, like, a... I don't know if he has a million followers or not. I'd use that uh, that thing you're sending out. Yeah. Why, why you should it? Uh, no, that that is for other people's podcasts. So that's like have oh, me on your oh, show. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, but I but I could also reach out to Stan Efforting and ask him if he can connect me because yeah. they're good friends. Yeah. But yeah. All right. Uh, okay, we got a second question from Tiffany. Um, says, if you're eating in a 100-calorie surplus and gaining 0.2 pounds a week, and then your weekly average the following week increases to by 0.5 pounds and stays continues to increase from there, what does that mean? Is it delayed uh, delayed muscle or fat gain? So her weight wasn't gaining, and then it kind of jumped up? <laughs> Sounds like it. If you it depends. <laughs> Some sometimes it is that. Sometimes it's not. Like like because there definitely is the case where somebody like they're like maybe they're gaining maybe a quarter of a pound a week, and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, you're on a good pace. Like mm-hmm. you're building muscle, not too much fat, slow. And then all of a sudden we see like two weeks in a row they gain like two pounds each week. Now there's sometimes where I'm like, okay, how how far did you fall off your diet, or how high is stress? Because if stress is super high, you're retaining water. It's just that. If you fell off your diet and had some cheat meals, obviously it could be that, but there's also scenarios where it's kind of like a whoosh effect, but in the opposite. So like anybody in the bodybuilding space will know what a whoosh effect is. Like your client's dieting. It's like, they're not losing weight. They're not losing weight. They're not losing weight, but you just don't adjust anything because you know, it's going to drop. And then all of a sudden they lose like three pounds in a week and they're already lean. So three pounds is significant. And you're yeah. like, Whoa, in a week. it's, we call it the whoosh effect. Cause it's like nothing, nothing, nothing. Whoosh. The fat just comes off. Um, sometimes that happens with muscle growth too. Um, it happened to me when I started my gaining phase, it was like, eh, eh, a couple of weeks of just not really gaining. And then all of a sudden I gained like a pound a week for two months straight, just like nonstop eight pounds in two months. And was like, whoa, I'm significantly bigger. Um, and then it tapered off and went super slow again after that at maybe a pound a month, mm-hmm. um, until I was done. So there are, and then in that situation, I didn't fall off the diet. I was more dialed in than ever, but it's because I, it was, it w- I went from being kind of dialed in, not really to really dialed in and putting a ton of effort into the gym, raising my volume. It was just like kind of shocked the body into growing essentially. Um, So it could go either way. You know, I would ask you like, did you do anything in your lifestyle that would cause stress that would retain water? Because it's probably just water, which is a good thing. You could probably take a diet break or refeed and the water will fall off. Um, Or did you just have cheat meals? Right. And if the answer is no to either of those, then you could just be dialed in and you could just be building muscle. Yeah. It happens. I will say this. I, I see <coughs> that happen in that direction, like she, increasing weight yeah. with muscle. I see that happening in a whoosh effect style way more with men than women just because it's so much harder for women to build muscle fast. Yeah, she didn't uh, mention that it could be water weight. Yeah, so it's probably that. Uh, all right. Next question is from Val Leak. When it comes to one of those TDEE calculators, where do you put in the hours of exercise you do per week, would you include dog walking in that? I do one hour wi- walk with my dog every day. Would you include this in the calculator? Yeah, so I think she's getting BMR calculator and TDEE calculator mixed up. Mm-hmm. So if we calculate somebody's TDEE, total daily energy expenditure, we're calculating their total daily 
energy expenditure. How many calories are you burning every day? Which means that we need to start with a BMR calculator. BMR is basal metabolic rate. That is like you sitting here right now as a human being, how many calories are you burning? Right? Basal metabolic rate is what do you burn at rest? Um, So if you don't train, don't go on any walks, all you do is work, sleep, eat, chill on the couch. How many calories do you burn doing that just to live, right? And then we add in the uh, activity multiplier, which gives us our TDEE. So the TDEE is is basically our BMR, so what we burn at rest and just living, and then plus our activity together equals total daily energy expenditure. So usually it's like anywhere between 1.3 to, or 1.2 to 2.0, I think, or 2.2. Um, if you look at the tables, they're usually around there. But like, for example, I would probably say for me, I'm like one. activity multiplier, which is on the low end. Um, I'm not sedentary. Uh, I do train really hard, but outside of training, I don't really do much. You know, I podcast, sit on my computer. Sometimes I go on a couple walks a day. Like since my cut started, I started really trying to get my steps in and I'm like averaging nine or 10,000, which really isn't like astronomical. It's not that much. Um, Half of that is me pacing when I'm like on calls, Mm -hmm. but that's, that's a pretty low Basal metabolic rate. So even for me to gain muscle, like when I was in the gym to gain muscle mass, I would have had to been eating probably a thousand more calories than I am right now because I was moving from 3 p.m. to 8 p.m. training people, lifting weights for them, spotting them, demonstrating, just go, go, go on my feet, like 20,000 steps a day at least on top of lifting all the way to moving shit and then lifting at night before Mm -hmm. I went home. Um, so totally different ballgame. So for you walking the dog, I'd say, okay, like is walking the dog your only activity outside of living yeah if the answer is yes you're probably gonna be like 1.2 or 1.3 really low on the scale like basically sedentary with a couple days of activity um if you're 1.3 to 1.5 you're gonna be uh moderately sedentary plus three to five days of training so that's me i'm moderate i'm moderately sedentary i don't do much but i also train really hard five days a week six days a week so that bumps you up on the tone pole and then like you get into like 1.5 to 2 you're looking at more and more activity. And like by the time you get to like 1.8 to 2.2 on the multiplier, that's like a construction worker who also lifts weights six days a week. Yeah. Like that motherfucker's burning a ton of calories. So he takes his BMR and he multiplies that by 1.8 or 2.0, right? So as if his activity mo- or his BMR is 2,000 calories and he's super active like that, he's eating 4,000 calories a day to maintain his weight. Yeah. You know? Um, but if he's 2,000 calories for BMR and it's only 1.5, he's eating way less. Yeah. Right? So that's 3,000. You know what so, I mean? It's, it's You're burning a lot. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah, yeah but I think, so you, I think she got the BMR calculator and the TDE mixed up. Yeah. That was a good breakdown, though. All right. Next question comes from Johanna Hernandez. How do you determine when to track food when you had something past midnight? Almost never worry about that because if you're eating, so there's two scenarios somebody's eating past midnight, actually three. Scenario number one, you're drunk. Just deal with it. (laughs) Just wake up, chalk it up as a day off your diet. Like, I got drunk last night, had some street tacos or some street meat up in Seattle. That's one of the things I miss about being able to go out in Seattle, man. It's like the hot dog stands. Oh, that's foul. So good. Oh, you don't like the hot dogs up there? I hate them. Oh, with the cream cheese on it? Even worse. Comma dog. So good. Um, you're drunk. 
you have a good night, wake up, go, I overate, I messed up on my diet, whatever. Just get back on track. Don't worry about it. Don't focus on it. Or maybe you skip breakfast and fast a little bit and make up for it. Either way, you're fine. But it's not something that you need to track or worry about because it's very rare that you're going to get drunk and eat at 2 in the morning, hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. Um, Scenario number two, you're waking up hungry in the middle of the night constantly. You should not track those calories, but you need to increase your calories because if you're waking up at 2 in the morning like ravenous and hungry – You've been in a diet for too long. You're in too big of a deficit for your diet or you diet too frequently, right? That's that whole like um, intensity, duration, and frequency of your diet. Um, If you're dieting for too long, that stuff's going to start wearing at you. If you're dieting too aggressively, it's going to wear at you even quicker. And if you're dieting too frequently, your body's just in a dysfunctional state because you're constantly in a deficit. Um, Either one of those cases, we don't have to worry about like, okay, do I track that on yesterday's calories or today's calories since it's technically in the morning? You just need to eat more food. Right. Or you got to manage the stress. Right. Which is the other the other scenario is like you're stress eating in the middle of the night or at late at night because you're so stressed out. It's like you're eating enough food. You're training hard. You're fine. But. Mental, emotional work, stress, relationship stress, something is going on that's causing you to stress eat in the middle of the night. You don't need to worry about calories. You need to worry about the stress fix the problem that you have in your mind or at home that's causing you to do this. Yep. Right. So I think a lot of times it's less about, cause I, I've been, I've had this question asked before, like, okay, well if I eat at two in the morning, do I count that as tomorrow or yesterday's like it's in the middle? Like, what do I do? It's like, that's like the smallest of my concern. My concern is like, why are you eating in the middle of the night? You know, and there's even some people that, um, I believe this at once upon a time, uh, put like a protein shake on your nightstand wake up in the middle of the night, chug down a protein shake because you want to keep muscle gains going. And it's like, whoa. Yeah. But back in the day, it sounded like legit. Yeah. It's like when you intake protein, and this is true, muscle protein synthesis increases, right? Well, if you have muscle protein synthesis increasing, your body's rebuilding tissue. It means you're building muscle. Even when you're sleeping? Even when you're sleeping. But they found out that muscle protein synthesis is less about, it's still good to spread it out throughout the day, but it's less about having that kick and it's more about your total daily because if you have a hundred grams of protein, it doesn't mean you're only going to get them like this one small kick. It's going to just, well, you're going to have protein for hours now. Right. So fasting overnight is fine. You're not going to lose any muscle. You're not going to build less as long as your daily intake's fine. But there was a lot of people, myself included back in the day that was just, you get a little bit of science and you're like, Oh, every time you have protein, it's also protein synthesis, which means I need more protein and I need more frequently. Mm. So people would wake up in the middle of the night and eat. Wow. Interesting. I, rem- I remember watching a Jay Cutler documentary on like YouTube or something. He's a uh, famous bodybuilder. Um, oh. I think he's a football player. Named yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and he, uh, he would wake up and eat like chicken and rice in the middle of the night. Whoa. There's a part where he like, <laughs> the guy was like, what's your favorite cheat meal? And he goes, I don't like food. The guy's like, what? And he was like, I just eat to feel my body. I don't like eating. My favorite cheat meal is skipping a meal. <laughs> it's wow. like, damn. That's weird. That guy has gone deep into bodybuilding. Yeah. To the point where you don't even want to eat anymore because you have to eat so much food to keep growing. It's crazy. <laughs> but Sounds very uncomfortable. Yeah, very uncomfortable. Um, what was the original question? Did I How answer you, it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was okay. about uh, tracking food at something past midnight. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Find out the root cause. That's That was the main point Absolutely. I was trying to drive home. All right, uh, next question comes from Mark Katzner. I am, an, I am a male approaching 60, retired, active. I work out five days a week in a CrossFit gym that has contra- get, uh programming by Jason Brown, another podcast I really enjoyed for almost 10 years. 
I have experienced a 10% weight gain and the uh, subsequent frustration of losing weight. I hate to play the age card, but can age be a factor in one? So let's let's break these up because I think it's like one can age Four be a factor. Question. Two, yep. this. So, so we'll go through we'll go through them one by so one. So one can an age be a can age be a factor in fat gain and fat loss while working out regularly? First of all, shout out to you for doing uh, conjugate programming for in sticking to it for 10 years straight. It's pretty fucking solid. It's legit. And that's a smart way to train. Um, shout out to Jason Brown, good friend of mine. Um, he, I think the the true, like, the hard part about this, because, like, I hate saying, yes, it's a factor, because then people are like, oh, well, or, like, you hear, oh, I'm too old to lose weight. <coughs> or, like, oh, yeah, I want to get my body back, but I'm too old now. Like, it's too late. It's never too late. Yep. You, you can, I, I've worked with people I trained a lot of people over 16, 70 at the gym when I worked there, and I helped people lose 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds past the age 16, 70 multiple times. If you have fat on your body, you can lose it. Um, but is age a factor? Of course. Like when you get older, typically hormones start to downregulate a little bit. So as a male, your testosterone is going to be lower than it's ever been unless you're taking TRT. Um, your thyroid could potentially be slower than normal. Um, your metabolism is likely slower than normal be- than it was because of number one, the thyroid being lower. Number two, as we get older, we typically have responsibilities that make us more sedentary. So people always think like, oh, like I don't burn as many calories because I'm old. It's like, yeah, that's part of it. But also too, like you have a job, you have a family, you got to cook, like you have to, you commute an hour in the morning and at night. You're just sitting all the mm-hmm. time. Like when you were in your 20s, you were in school, you were playing sports, you were like mountain biking, you're doing all this shit all the time that you don't think about as burning calories, but you're just moving constantly. Um, It's the same thing with like me at the gym. Like I burned way more calories. And if I was unaware, I'd be like, fuck, I'm just getting older. It's harder for me to stay lean. It's like, no, you just don't eat as much food because you don't do shit anymore. But um, so that's another factor. Um, Also, you have more or you usually have less muscle mass when you get older atrophy starts to settle in. So if you're not eating more than enough protein and physically training, which sounds like he is, um, you will lose some muscle. And if you do lose some muscle over time, that's going to burn less calories on your body. So uh, there's definitely a role here for age, but none of it is an excuse. It's just something you have to be aware of so that you can adjust and do whatever. You know what I mean? It's like if somebody comes to me and they're like, like I have uh, like low back issues. I, I injured my low back years ago, so I can't deadlift. So I don't, I don't think I should lift. Like, no, you can fucking lift. We're just going to work around it. We're going to do a bunch of shit that's not deadlifting off the floor. Yeah. Right? You can still build muscle. You can still get stronger. We're just not going to deadlift, you know? So it's the same exact thing. Touche. And like you said, there's uh, four parts here. So the second part is, can age be a factor in gaining muscle mass and good effective workouts? I would say for muscle mass, even more so than fat loss. Muscle is harder and harder to build the older you get and the longer you are in your training career, which is kind of ironic because you think it's like, okay, so like look at business. What's that peaking? The longer you are in business and the longer or the more patient you are and the more you grow, the more money you're going to make. Yeah. Like it's just your business is going to become more successful. The longer you're a coach, the more money you're going to make in any industry really. But in fitness, the longer you train, the less you gain because your body can only do so much naturally. Um, unless you take steroids. But uh, in this scenario, I would just say that muscle mass is going to definitely be harder to build the older you get. You got to have enough protein. You got to make sure you're training the right way. And at a certain point, this is why a lot of 
older bodybuilders don't even try to build muscle anymore. They just try to get leaner each year. So they'll, they'll take their off season. They focus on building strength because strength and effort and intensity in the gym can hundred percent keep going up while your age goes up hundred percent. Um, muscle mass is just harder to build when you get older. So a lot of bodybuilders that are like seasoned bodybuilders, what they'll do in their off season is just focus on health and performance in the gym. And their main priority is next time I diet again for stage, I'm going to get even leaner. Mm. So every time they diet and there's actually like some, there's no studies on this because nobody wants to study it, but, um, there's a lot of bodybuilders that will talk about like the, the older bodybuilders are always way more well conditioned because the more times they practice getting leaner, like year after year after year, they just get better at it. Yeah, they get exactly. better at dieting and their body responds better to it because they do it right. Now for somebody who's like, well, fuck, I've dieted a bunch of times and my body's not responding well. It's like, well, you don't take enough time between diets and you diet too close together. Mm -hmm. These guys are like, oh, I'm going to compete in bodybuilding once every three years. So they're dieting down once every three years, okay. right? So that's why their body can handle not it. One, not even once a year. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of times, no. Um, and usually what they'll do is they'll have an off-season for a year or two, cut, do like six shows in a row, get them all done while they're lean as hell, and then they get into off-season. But, um, but yeah, it's hard for them to build muscle. But intensity in the gym and strength and effort, that can always always increase. So third one is, can age be a factor in underactive or slowly m metabolism even through active thyroid dysfunction? I think that was worded incorrectly. Yeah, but read that number three. Uh, can age be a factor in underactive or slowing slower metabolism? Maybe you meant even though active. So I think he's saying like even though you're active, can age be a factor in your metabolism slowing down and potentially thyroid dysfunction? <laughs> okay. Yes, to both of those. For, for reasons I already said. So with the fat loss question, I said like all the reasons why your metabolism might slow down. Um, as far as your thyroid, number one, check out the, the thyroid. Well, actually, I know he did because he, the question actually started. I deleted it so you didn't have to read it. But he actually was like talking about how much he liked that thyroid podcast. Yeah. So um, hormones in general, your endocrine system just slows. Everything slows down. Uh, when you're 20 years old and you get a cut, you're gonna he it's gonna heal and scab over and it's gonna be good in a week. When you're 30, it's gonna take two weeks. Yeah. When you're 60, it's gonna take four weeks. When you're 70, it's gonna take two months. Right. Like your skin is producing less cells at, uh, in in recovering slower. Yeah. Your oxygen consumption's worse. Your yeah. blood flows worse. Like everything slows down. It's it's sad, but it's a cycle of life. Like as we age things stop working as well, yep. period. Which is also why it's so goddamn important for people to take care of their health. Like, one of the things I think about all the time is, yes, I love being jacked and strong and trying to get leaner, and I, that, that stuff excites me. But, like, what really motivates me to keep eating the way I do, to not cheat on my diet, to be in the gym all the time, is really just the idea that I'm going to try to outlive a lot of people. Like, I, like I'm going to outlive you, and even if I don't outlive you, me at 70 is going to be better than you at 70. Touché. I'm going to feel better than I would have if I didn't do all this stuff. Yeah. And for, and this is, I mean, America is the guiltiest. I mean, we're the most obese country in the world. Um, but your body is literally like, you, you get one, you get one body to live in. And until they create like a soul transplant where <laughs> <laughs> you can trade bodies with somebody, Yeah. which there's actually a movie that they do that. It's pretty trippy. Um, basically when you're about to die, you can take the body of somebody who's already dead, but like had still like functioning everything. And wow. I think, I think it's Ryan Reynolds who's in the movie. Um, but 
until they do that, this is our only opportunity. So why fuck it up, you know? Um, but to his point, yes, the, the hormones, everything really starts to slow down a little bit. Even muscle protein synthesis decreases. Yeah. So your responsiveness to training and your responsiveness to protein intake is actually decreasing as well. All right, so the last one he asks, he's asking is, can age be a factor in maintaining a good diet? Supplements, even though you eat uh, foundational foods 90% of the time. I am really struggling with this weight gain and trying to lose it lately and frustrated. I wondered if you could help. So is age uh, a factor in maintaining a good diet? Um, That's essentially the question. I mean, I... I from a standpoint of, I mean, I think that that could, one is he talking about like, is it harder to do so when you get older, or is it more important to have a healthy diet? I mean, he says supple- supplements, even though you eat function uh, foundational foods. Oh, 90% are of the supplements diet. more important? Let me see it. I mean, it's yeah, maintaining a good diet, supplements, even though you eat foundational foods. Oh yeah, maintaining a good diet, I think, really comes down to adherence. Yeah, like so, like. Not you, age. yeah, you and a and a twenty year old going back to that example might adhere to a diet just as shitty or just as well based on your morals and your motivation. Yeah. Um, is it more important? Part of me wants to say yes because again everything's slowing so down. Yeah. But then the other part of me is like, well, if you don't do that now as a young individual, it's going to bite you in the ass later. You know what I mean? You're going to create dysfunction before you get to a point where it really starts to hurt you. Yeah. Um, so it's never not important, but I would say it's probably more important. Well, Supplementation would be too. If it bites you in the ass later, then yes, it is more important to do it later. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, yeah. You need it more later. Exactly. Um, But supplementation is kind of the same way. Like, you know, it's probably going to be more important for you to get fish oil and a multivitamin. Mm -hmm. It's probably going to be more important to get more micronutrients. It's going to be more important to get more fiber because your digestion isn't as good as it used to be. So on and so forth. So most likely. Yeah. I think everybody should be more health conscious the older they get, starting from age 18. Because I think before you're 18, you're not an adult. You shouldn't be worrying about nutrition, really. I mean, don't eat like I did when I was a kid. <laughs> Fast food all the time. But um, at the same time, as your kid. Dude, the Enjoy being a kid. metabolism in a lot of people is, you know, like deceiving. Like mm-hmm. I, I, Because <laughs> I had an extremely fast metabolism, so it tells you, hey, you don't need to work out. Yeah. You know, people's mindset of working out is just to get, if you're obese or if you're fat, to get yeah. smaller. Yeah. It's not maintaining good health. It's, I had a great metabolism. I'm like, there's no chance I'm going to the gym. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and that also encourages some people to eat shittier. Because Absolutely. they'll be like, oh, I can eat whatever I want. I Absolutely. Eat cake, eat whatever. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Not, uh, not, I, I mean, I won't say I did, I never really enjoyed, you know, in certain in certain circumstances, but never really enjoyed fast food, and I never was like, "Hey, I have a fast metabolism, I can eat shittier." Yeah, but I definitely had the mindset for a long time, like I don't really need to go to the gym because I have a metabolism. I'm not fat at all. Yeah, I'm skinny as shit. Yeah, <laughs> but well, you were also super active. Yeah, I mean, you played soccer, you played golf, yeah. you fucking water skied, you d- you did so much shit. Absolutely, um, longboarded. Like metabolism you, helped though. Yeah, metabolism. Well. At, Activity encourages a faster metabolism. So Touché. you had a faster metabolism because you were doing a bunch of stuff. Um, and you were younger. Yeah. I mean, and then I would I mean, arguably still say you still probably do have a faster metabolism than a lot of people. I wouldn't. But you're that. way less active than you probably were. Yes. All right. Uh, got a couple more left. Uh, we got one from William Beachy. 
I'm a beginner to all things fitness. I started a journey in November of last year. My mission is, is weight loss, and I have been smashing it. Nice. I am down about 85 pounds. CrossFit is what I do. My question to you is about electrolytes. Of all the podcasts I listen to, I seldom hear anything about electrolytes. I understand that the best source is from good, nutritious, whole food. However, is there a situation where sports drinks is a benefit for supplementing electrolytes? If so, what is the best way to supplement electrolytes? Good question. Yeah, yes and no. I mean, I think if you're an endurance athlete, it could potentially be important. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, think about it like this. The more activity you do and the more you sweat, the more likely you are depleting your electrolytes. Absolutely. Um, so for a lot of people, it's so, – so there's two things. Like is a sports drink necessary? Potentially for some people. If you're doing like two-hour bike rides, stuff like that, yeah, yeah I yeah. would probably say so. Um, or if you're – like sometimes I drink like Gatorade Zero or something when I'm working out because yep. I just like the taste. Yep. Go for it. It's going to – could help potentially, but it's not going to be detrimental if you mm-hmm. don't. Um, but a lot of times people just don't add enough salt to their diet. Like they're just like, there was like a big stigma of like salt causes hypertension. If you're already obese and you have too much salt, but part of that salt is also because when they do the research on high salt diets, those high salt diets are also high in ultra processed food because you need to add salt to, to process food to make it preserve longer. So if you're doing a study on salt yet, half the participants are eating shitty you think it's because of the salt or do you think it's because they're eating horribly, right? Now, if you are obese or already have hypertension, salt is going to be an issue and you don't want as much salt. But for everyday individual and people who are training, people who are running, people who are lifting, CrossFit, whatever, you should be adding uh, good salt, so like pink Himalayan salt, iodized salt on almost all your meals. Yeah. Um, at least one or two meals a day because that salt is going to give you sodium, which is going to give you electrolytes. Um, and uh, if you get pink Himalayan salt, there's a ton of extra vitamins, or sorry, uh, extra minerals inside of it. Um, even some table salt, uh, make sure they keep the iodine in it because iodine is one of the bigger influences on your thyroid. So if you're not getting any, this is why thyroid dysfunction is so rare in Asia is because their diets are super high in iodine. They mm. eat a ton of seafood, shellfish, ke- sea, uh, seaweed, kelp. Yeah. All that stuff is super high in iodine. Um, so everybody listening really should be salting their food a little bit and making sure they get salt that has some iodine in it. Yeah. Um, all salt's going to be sodium. It's going to be electrolytes. Yeah. It's going to help store water in, in the body and the muscle and everything like that. Touche. So, yeah. Um, I think the reason he doesn't hear too much about it is because it's really – like yeah it's important add salt to your diet yeah you know there's not there's not anything crazy about it and there's no like ideal like there is an ideal range but like you don't need to like there's it's not a macro like we're not going to set this is how much salt you need every yeah. day you know what i mean like it, it but you don't matter. want an ex- excessive amount do you no you don't want an excessive amount but you don't want to have none the more you train the more active you are the more you can handle and the more you probably should have yeah but it, either way it's not astronomical nice all right last question comes from amanda wetter uh, rest days. How often and what do you do you actually do on a rest day? Active rest. Um, if she's asking me, I almost always do absolutely nothing. <laughs> I don't. Um, I like active rest days for a lot of people. Um, and I guess mine are kind of that sometimes. Like if I go on a walk with Blakely or 
we're not hiking with her yet. So when I get to, when she gets old enough to do some cool stuff, then I'll be you know go to the soccer field, kick the ball, go hike, do whatever. Um, sometimes a skateboard. So that would definitely be active recovery. But I I think everybody should have at least one rest day a week. Some people need two. Um, most people only need one. I think six days is fine if you're balancing intensities properly for almost anybody. Um, and you don't have to completely rest if you don't want to. If you want to go on a long walk, if you want to go on a hike, whatever. I just you shouldn't do anything that is purposely trying to burn calories. There you go. Like you don't need to go for a long hill walk or hike just to burn more calories. Like if you want to go on a hike because your friends are going on a hike and it's a beautiful day, do it. But don't do it to burn more calories. Do gotcha. it because it's just lifestyle. Yeah. Um, because everybody needs that mental and physical break at least once a week. Otherwise, you're going to have to deload more frequently and you're going to have less progressive overload because you're never getting your body a, a chance to catch up. For sure. So for me personally, I lift right now four days a week two conditioning days, one that's a little bit lower intensity, one that's a little bit higher intensity, and then I have a full rest day. That's usually what I recommend to most people. Is that because of your cut? Yeah, we lowered strength days in the gym a little bit just because it's – six days a week was a grind, and it – like it worked really well and then I had to like pull back a little bit and we went to five days a week and now that we're going into a deficit, it's kind of like – Let's bring down volume a little bit so you can recover well. Because if you're not recovering, then you're not your body's not going to respond yeah. well. You know, less calories. Yeah, basically yeah. it. So we actually, so I'm actually doing the, uh, I'm doing my own programming for a little bit. Oh, um, wow. Eric was just doing my nutrition. Um, I'm doing the conjugate. He was doing both. Wasn't he, he was doing both. Yeah, but I'm doing, and it was one of those things where I was just we. It's fun working with them because we're kind of collaborative. So I have a lot of say in what we're doing, which is actually. Interesting, I've never had that kind of relationship with a coach of like not just telling me what to do, but kind of giving me thoughts to provoke questions to get him to make an adjustment kind of thing, mm. which is really fun. And, it, and it's helpful in the sense of learning, you know, um, but I was kind of just like, hey, like, I, I think it's time for me to take over training. Like, I want to get back to not that many people program the way I do in the sense of like the performance aspects mixing with bodybuilding so I just wanted to step in and kind of do it again because I just miss the sprints the throws the jumps the snatches like the explosive work um and I w- and gave him a chance to oversee it so it was like hey this is what I'm gonna do he over reviews the program gives me any tips and then no, I carry on go for it yeah mm-hmm. but if anybody is listening to this and you want to do the exact same program I'm doing it's in the Taylor trainer it's called the modified conjugate method um I'm making a couple adjustments so like, for example, on the bench day, I'm doing neutral bar because we just got that neutral bar and I want to play with it. Sick. For the squad day, I'm doing the safety bar because we just got that and I want to play with it. But other than that, it's basically 100% the same that's in there. So if you want to do the same thing, jump with them, Taylor Trainer. Yep. Dope, guys. All right, that was the last question for today. Um, yeah, well, we will uh, get those uh, giveaways out. Yep. Uh, Email Tori. Yep. ASAP. And it'll be at your house in six weeks based on our track record. I'm <laughs> just playing. We'll get it to you ASAP. All right, bye. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering. And because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, head over to boomboomformance.com slash sign up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the Nutrition Hierarchy. 
This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at cody at boomboomperformance.com. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here and I'll see you next time.